Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Armet. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today we wanted to start uh, what is largely going to be a kind of the, a two-part series about, um, I guess, more the, the, the financial business side of being an independent app maker. And specifically, we're going to be talking through viewing your apps um, in two different so sort of into in, through two different lenses. Um, one we're going to talk about today is kind of viewing your apps as though you're creating um, annuities um, that pay you back over time. Um, and then and next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about viewing your apps as sort of assets that you are building up um, for the purposes of selling um, down the future, down the road. And they're just kind of, I think this is one of those topics that is very much outside of the typical like developery kind of topics and the kind of things that we would normally you know discuss in the sense that you know we're not talking about xcode we're not talking about design there's going to be a wdc session about how to sell your business yeah like this is a topic that is very much you know this is like a business topic you could be we could be making anything it doesn't the fact that it's an application is in some ways kind of immaterial but i know for myself when i started off being um you know, started off doing this, I gave no thought to this, these types of topics at all. Um, I was focused entirely on the development side of things. I was focused on the design side of things and the marketing to some degree. But like thinking of these kind of broader business things wasn't really, a, you know, something that was on my radar at all. Um, and now, you know, whatever, eight and a half years later, it is something that I think about more and I realize the importance of thinking through, um, mostly just because depending on what how you, you know what you want your business to look like um how you want it to pay you in in you know both now and in the future you know what your ultimate goals are um you know will impact the types of business the types of apps that make sense for you to build you know different apps have very different um like revenue curves you know if you make a uh, a paid up front app you are far more likely to have a big burst of revenue at once and then it will fall off you know fairly dramatically if you have uh, free with ad you know free with ad or free with in app purchase application you're more likely to have kind of this slow um, hopefully growth of revenue that is fairly stable over time or at least you know shifts in these kind of more seasonal um, you know in, in these kind of seasonal waves and depending on what you know what you like there will will make a big difference but you know for the purpose of today what i'm going to talk about to start off with and this got started for me by um i've been doing a lot of work updating uh, my app audiobooks which i think i've mentioned a few times uh, the last few episodes and as part of it i um as, as part of this update is kind of the realization that i haven't done a real up haven't done any work on this app realist really for about 18 months um, which is not a good idea, isn't great, you know, but it's because other opportunities have presented themselves. I've been doing much more work on the health and fitness side of things recently. And this app that f- for a while was like my bread and butter was the thing that was paying, you know, sort of like paying my mortgage each month. Um, it kind of had fallen a bit to the side. But as a result, I got this opportunity to have some really interesting data about, uh, well, of course I did. It's, I made a spreadsheet. Um, I took a look. <laughs> just at, one? Just, just one, you know, two or three, it's fine. Um, I don't have a problem. I can stop anytime. Um, the, I took a look at the revenue of this app over the last 18 months. Um, because one of the things that I've always been curious about is what happens to an app, um, you know, when you stop working on it, when you stop maintaining it, when you stop marketing it, when you stop doing anything with it, like, what does that actually look like? Because 
in the back of my mind, I've always had this thought of like, you know, sales won't immediately drop to zero. Like that is, you know, that's just not the reality because, you know, I go for weeks or months between updates typically. Um, you usually don't, you know, let them go out, out to 18 months, but um, you kind of get the sense that over time, you know, sales will likely fall. Um, if they don't, like, stop working on it. You know, if doing nothing makes your revenue go up, like, do nothing, that's awesome, but that's not realistic. And so, uh, what I did for, for audiobooks is I took a look over the last 18 months and I looked at what the revenue curve looked like um, for, you know, for this app with no maintenance, no anything. It's just been sitting on the app store um, and the app makes its money from advertising and a small to a very small degree, some in-app purchases for some kind of like premium books. Um, and what was interesting to me is that the the curve that the revenue took matched pretty closely to kind of a exponential decay curve, like I said, around with some best fit lines and things. And essentially what it meant is the sales went down by half a percent, I think it was, um, per day, um, sort of compounding. And so, you know, say for argument's sake, the app had been, uh, you know, selling for $100 a, um, a day, a day. Um, and then I stopped working on it. Like the next day, it would lose 50 cents in revenue. And the next day, um, like you know, uh, 49.8 cents and then 49.5 cents and so on. Like it, it loses less each day because of it, there's less from it. And that, that curve of about a half a percent uh, a day seemed to match fairly closely to it. And which meant that obviously as it falls down, you start losing less and less and you per day and you become, it almost sort of starts to stabilize and level out. Um, obviously it's still losing as it goes, but it gets slower. And that was really interesting to me because that, you know, like that number and that, that multiplier is I'm sure very variable based on a lot of things, but it's instructive to think about, um, how an app's revenue will, sort of to have that almost certainly have that kind of a decay curve and like the, the, the slope of it and the steepness of it will change. But that's a, a really helpful tool for me as I think about apps, because now I have, I can sort of, I have some data to back up this notion that I've always had that in many ways, the, the way the business that I like to build um, is I want to have, you know, a steady, even income from my applications that in an ideal world requires the, you know, a relatively small amount of constant maintenance and input. Um, I'm coming from a background where I used to do consulting, where I, all of my income was, um, I guess you could call it like prepaid in the sense that I, you know, I have a contract with someone that says I'm going to work for them for, you know, I'm going to work for them for 80 hours and they're going to pay me a hundred dollars an hour. So they are going to pay me $8,000 and that's the contract. And that's the most I'll ever make from that project. Um, and it's all kind of prepaid and shifting to a world where everything's postpaid, where in, you know, I do all this work for nothing. Essentially, uh, I release the app and then hopefully it pays me back over time. And in many ways, that's the kind of the same kind of, a, uh, a thing that if in the financial world, which you would call something like an annuity, um, which is where you take a, a large sum of money and you give it to a bank or an, an investment institution and they pay you a, you know, a, 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 an amount of money back each month, um, that, you know, you, you're shifting the risk for them generating that money onto them and you're getting a steady stream of income. And like that model for what an application is, I find is really kind of nice because you get the sense of my goal is just to build up a broad diversified pool of these little income streams that 
each individual one is kind of slowly decaying over time. And my job, you know, is to, I can increase the, or, or reduce the, ability, the the degree to which they're decaying, or in some case, hopefully grow them, you know, by putting in work. But if I don't, if I want to go on vacation, or if I get distracted or things happen, my income will very slowly decay over time, but in general, we'll keep going and we'll have a pretty long runway. Um, and I think this was actually um, before uh, Under the Radar, but back when I, was, I remember talking about it on my old show, Developing Perspective, where there was a period of time a couple years ago where I had to take, um, for a variety of kind of personal reasons, I had to take I think it was about six, six or so weeks uh, off of work, basically. Um, and it was lovely that during the course of that, my income didn't fall off dramatically. It wasn't like all of a sudden, if I'd been a consultant, that would have been a really big problem to suddenly just like not have any income. And so instead, like my income fell and it kind of slowly decayed, but I still had this kind of annuity that was paying me back. And, you know, as a, and so I love that. And so what I do now is I think I structure my business around that. That's why I have so many apps. That's why I have so many of these little streams coming in, in the hopes that kind of building that layer cake that will average out to something that is, you know, somewhat dependable and somewhat reliable. I love the idea that you're like living off of background noise, like <laughs> like the like the the asymptotic tails of all these curves, and you just like pile enough of them up, and here I, I have like a background radiation income. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. I mean that that that's, is that's kind of wonderful. I mean, and and, and the thing, that's the thing that is kind of nice about it, though, is that it is. So I think so often in software development, we kind of get you hear the thing that you you hear most often about is the kind of the big impressive first month of the sales of an app um, or a new update or anything like where you you kind of you have it's easy and it's not e- it's not easy but it is more easy to focus on the that that big exciting part of it where like you do a big update and everyone loves it and like sales go up and everything's exciting. Um, but what's more interesting uh, from a more like a lifestyle perspective is the what happens six months down the road um, with that. And is there a way to make that um, make your living on that noise on that kind of that slow, easy part down below where you're not putting having to put in the effort that you did up front um, and, you know, just obviously you need enough enough either enough apps or to, for them to decay decay at a slow enough rate that it still you know have like sums up to a a reasonable living um but if you can or at the very least if you can get close to that and you know be hoping that you know you have some big bursts that build up your reserves and then you have this this noise in, in the middle that you can um live on it it is it is an approach that seems to have worked a couple times for me and is an, is something that I think like the math checks out. Um, and that's what I was kind of really excited to have the opportunity to sit down and like really dive into it um, with audiobooks because now I can kind of prove to myself the, that the experience I've been having of like, this seems to be working, you know, for the last couple of years, um, like the math checks out and it kind of follows a pattern that is somewhat, um, you know, predictable or at least reasonable to, you know, to base a livelihood on. Yeah, it's funny, like, you know, in, in other areas of web-based work, you know, things like blogs, uh, the, the idea of, like, 
building up stuff up front that then has a very long tail of revenue over time uh, is not a new idea. Like in the blogging world, you know, you have straight up blog ads and things like affiliate links where you can write a blog post and then, you know, it, it might get a certain number of views from like the main subscribers, you know, active audience that that day or that week. But then over the next 10 years, it could be getting search traffic and then you can be slowly building up more and more ad money over time from your from this big back catalog that you have. Um, and for me, like on my side, I I never I never made a ton from the ads, but I but I actually started in the last few years making a pretty good amount of Amazon affiliate revenue uh, because I have over years I have written a pretty good number of product reviews, things like you know headphone stuff, coffee stuff, the baby stuff guides, um, and. Those have slowly built up search relevance over time, and you know, at first when I was when I started out with Amazon links uh, forever ago, like Amazon affiliate links, I would make effectively nothing. It was like you know, maybe like twenty bucks a month for a while, and I stopped looking for a long time because it was so low. I, I kind of stopped paying attention, and then eventually it became real money. Like it became, you know, after a few years of doing it and slowly building up from like 10, 20 bucks a month, um, it eventually became a few hundred dollars a month. Uh, And then now it's like over a thousand dollars a month. And that's all from stuff I wrote years and years ago, for the most part, not a lot of new stuff uh, that just over time, I it was it's kind of like where each post is one of these little like decaying (laughs) asymptotes, like, you know, like over time, I have enough of these. And it does build up to something substantial. And it's interesting to think of apps this way because I don't think we've really, I don't think most of us think of apps that way. I think most of us, you know, the idea of doing, you know, blog posts and links that way, I think we are, we are accustomed to by now. But the idea of doing apps that way almost seems like it, like wrong or like you're, like you're getting away with something. Cause I think people expect that apps need to be the more high profile launch kind of things and the you know have to be constantly maintained over time and have to constantly be getting updates and new versions and keeping everything fresh and new while it's totally okay to let a blog post sit there for 10 years unmodified uh i wonder like is this is this kind of a temporary thing is this always gonna be the case i mean what 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 the causes might be of why apps can behave this way or why they might not behave this way um, like we have this coming fall it's looking increasingly likely that uh, apple's cutting off support for old 32-bit apps and that's going to cut off a lot of people's long tails unless they go and update them um, but i wonder like it seems like it seems like this is probably okay for the long haul overall as a model. Like it seems like this is probably going to keep working because it turns out that keeping apps up to date uh, for the most part really isn't that important for whether or not they will have, you know, a long tail of success. Yeah. And I feel, I think it speaks to, I think there is something there like it, it, it's why the reason why i thought it'd be a good topic is because i feel like it also is important to think think through the type of applications where some an approach like this would actually work because the reason this app you know this approach works for me is because the types of apps that i am making by and large don't have large ongoing costs and expenses and infrastructures that i have to have in the background to support them um you know like the i think all the the sum total of the um infrastructure i have for audiobooks is i think it's about a hundred dollars a year at linode 
Um, like I have a little server that uh, serves thumbnails and a few other things, but it's, it's, it's essentially nothing you know, in, in the scope of the app. Um, and so that allows the, you know, the, the fact that the app isn't, you know, it, 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 it's as it's, as its revenue decreases slowly over time, you know, its income, the expenses that I'm having to put out for it, you know, they, they become a higher proportion perhaps of its income, but they're still so small to start with that it doesn't really matter. Um, whereas if you had an app like, I mean, for, so for example, for me, uh, Feed Wrangler, and I imagine for you with Overcast to some degree, like I, if you have an app that has a bigger server infrastructure, you know, that is going to be thousand, you know, a thousand or $2,000 a month in, in server costs, it starts to become trickier to do this type of thing where that slow um, that that's sort of, sort of the, a slow decay will very quickly you know cross over and then um, you know be, be losing money rather than gaining money, which is essentially what happened for me with uh, Check the Weather, um, where you know I had a weather app which I hadn't done updates for in a while too, but I had to eventually kill it off because I was losing money on it because you know there was this ongoing cost for weather data providers that wasn't being offset by it, and so I think with software. Um, the key for this to work is the more that you can make your, your the applications that you're building kind of built in such a way that they are more like blog posts or they are more like YouTube videos. Um, you know, kind of there's lots of things that you, you know, yeah, like you said, like, this isn't a new concept at all. Like this is the the business model of most kind of media companies where you know a media company makes a show like the you know the, they they make Seinfeld and they put it in syndication in or they they put it they put it out on broadcast TV and they put it into syndication and they sell DVDs and it's exactly the same thing that they're just kind of reselling over time and the degree to which an app can be that i think is it's something that is fairly self-contained that is built in this way that doesn't require a lot of constant updates and ma- and maintenance and you know, like, like, fair enough, eventually, it'll, you know, you'll have to do either update it, or it will stop working. Like that is, I think software has a higher, um, you know, a higher barrier for that versus, you know, just like a, you know, a, a plain, plain text file that you're putting on the web, essentially. Um, but it, it doesn't have this intrinsic need that it has to be updated every few months. And in some ways, that's counterproductive that, you know, we've talked about many times that the, the trap of over featuring an application and having the sense that you, there's this urgency that it always has to be new and better when, in fact, maybe it isn't. And you can just kind of let it go. And as long as the you have a customer base that likes the app that you shipped whenever you shipped it, you know, like people still use audiobooks that I shipped 18 months ago. And they use it on a regular basis and it still works. Um, and, you know, the updates that I'm doing now are in some ways unnecessary to it. Um, they're, I think it's a good thing in, you know, in terms of trying to put a, you know, bump up that, that rate a little bit. And so it'll, you know, sort of start decaying from a higher point again. But if I didn't do anything, my guess is they would just keep going slowly on, you know, until at some point it breaks. And who knows, maybe iOS 11 would introduce something that would force it to be updated, which, you know, fair enough. That's that's re- the reason why it was updated 18 months ago was because um, that was what iOS 9 broke something in it. And so I had to update it and I did and I fixed it and then I haven't done anything since. And that, those kinds of maintenance updates are so much easier and so much lighter weight um, than, you know, kind of like the big broad things that you'd have to do if you kind of have a perspective of you're trying to grow, grow, grow. And that's your goal. Yeah, I mean, it really does kind of impact like how you develop everything. I mean, if you're thinking about like how can I how can I design this app 
and build this app in such a way that it will require the least maintenance over time and be the least likely to to unexpectedly break in future OS updates or with future changes to the landscape, you know, that, that, that affects things. Like for instance, um, like running off of a Linode server, which actually they're a sponsor this week, which I'll get to in a minute, running off of a Linode server, uh, that is to me more future proof than running off of a service like parse or some kind of like managed high end or higher abstraction layer service, because that landscape of those services changes all the time. And if you write an app today on a, on like a higher level abstracted service in three years you might have moved on and you're just leaving this app in maintenance mode just, and hoping it just collects money over time but then that service might shut down or do some kind of forced change that will break your app and then you're stuck e- having to decide either well do i just shut this app down completely is it just done now because it's not worth the investment to move it to something else or do i uh, you know now lose a big chunk of this investment to in to to move it over like do I, do I invest a bunch of time in it and lose money on it for a little while to do to do this move and like that's if you build from the start to to try to build on like boring stable stuff both on the server side like just doing linux servers and also even in the app like if you just use mostly like vanilla ui kit and you don't do a lot of like fancy hacks and and you know things that might break in future os updates that also will help you just you know make sure that you can keep that going for a long time Anyway, we are sponsored this week, as mentioned, by Linode. Uh, Linode gives you fast, powerful web hosting for your projects. You can set up in just seconds and leave running for years if you want to. Uh, Linode plans start at just $5 a month. That gets you a server with only, with one gig of RAM in the Linode cloud, and you can get a lot more after that if you want to. Uh, 5 bucks a month for a gig of RAM. To give you some idea, my first VPS was $50 a month for 128 megs of RAM. And that wasn't that long ago, <laughs> so this is pretty great. Uh, anyway, Linode has over 400,000 customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. If you need help, Linode is there for you in whatever way you want. They have comprehensive guides and tons of support documentation to teach you everything you need to know about setting up and managing your own Linux virtual server. Their control panel is beautifully designed with a focus on ease and simplicity. You can deploy, boot, re- size and clone servers in just a few clicks they have two-factor authentication to keep you safe and you can also create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication linode is the full package for your server infrastructure needs they have the power you need as the as well as the infrastructure and assistance that you want so check it out today you can get one gig of ram for just five bucks a month you can go all the way up with lots of things in between to 16 gigs of ram for just 60 bucks a month and of course there's even higher ones after that if you want to their 2-gig plan now includes 30 gigs of storage, all for just $10 a month. There's tons of great options at Linode at, Linode at pretty much every price point. These servers are great, and they're very powerful for the money. Uh, as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash radar, you'll, you'll not, not only be supporting us, but you also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a 7-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar. To learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use promo code radar2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and for keeping our apps running for years into the future without much effort from us. <laughs> yep, years and years and years. So the last thing that I think I will, it seemed like I would be good to bookend this uh, discussion with would also just be to say that 
this approach of thinking about an application as an annuity that you kind of build and then can kind of leave on its own for the most part or do lightly, lightly maintain potentially um, is probably not for everybody. Um, and I was thinking about it um, a little bit. This, that there's two groups that I feel like this approach really wouldn't work for. And that is people who are perfectionists and um, people who kind of have the like the, a growth mindset in the sense of you kind of have that vision of the the venture started kind of company that's trying to be you know worth a billion dollars um, and has that kind of runaway hockey stick magic fanciness I don't know um, like those two groups of people I feel like would not do well with this kind of approach because by its nature it is optimizing for minimizing input um, and rather than ma- trying to maximize output um, which works well for me. I love, like, I love that I can, you know, so sort of once you ha- get a business to this, you know, t- you put in years and I mean, it takes years to get there, but if you put in years of work with this kind of mentality, you can get to a point where your core business, um, requires relatively little input, um, and gives you a steady, you know, f- re- reliable, slightly, slightly decaying over time, but can be bolstered periodically, you know, by putting inputs into the system. Um, rather than something that is growing you know, month after month, year after year. It's like, oh, we just need to be doubling every six months or whatever. Like, this is not a, a, an approach or a mindset uh, for an application that will le- lead to that kind of a result. And I think in our next episode, like I said at the beginning of this one, if you're looking to you know to sell an application or have have a big exit or something, like you might structure your application and your approach um, differently than this. But um, you know, it can work for some people, but it wouldn't work for others. And I think also if you're a perfectionist, if you're someone who just wants to keep tinkering and polishing over and over and over again and keep working on something until it's, you know, the, it's almost like the, the, the asymptote that you're approaching is perfection rather than um, looking at it the other way around of kind of like hitting good enough and then just letting it slide on to, you know, into the future. Uh, it's probably not for you either. Yeah, I mean, it's... In many ways, this it's kind of like the the culmination of everything we've been trying to teach the audience for this entire podcast. Sure. <laughs> this, this entire run of the show so far is like when you're an indie, if you want to optimize your limited resources, you have not you have no other staff or you have very little other staff. Uh, you don't have a huge amount of cash with VC money to like build up stuff at a large scale very quickly, you know, up front, uh, and so. In order to optimize uh, your limited resources and especially mostly your limited time, it does help to have these qualities to to really not be a perfectionist and to be willing to ship something that is that is good enough, and then to decide afterwards, you know what? Now I I that's kind of done, uh, or at least seems to be done for a while, and now I can move on and do something else, or I can I can move on to you know, feature expansion to expand into new markets instead of doing things like perfectly sending down every every single individual feature to be totally perfect. Um, in, in a lot of ways, the whole point of the show is to tell people, like, if you want to run a business the way we do, and especially the way you do, then this is how you do it. This is, like, it is possible to make a living in the App Store, but if you do it, in these other ways that might be more high profile, it's harder and it's less likely to succeed. Whereas if you do it this way, where you're really just building up a whole bunch of, you know, asymptotes of, of 
gradual income uh, from from a larger quantity of apps that that are not necessarily all perfect, but you can get them all to be good enough and to be long term businesses. That is actually a way more likely approach to succeed in the app store than the, than you know hoping that you are going to be the the new you know tank game that makes a million dollars in a day. Yeah, and I think it's the biggest uh, like adjective that comes to mind is in this approach is tolerance and it's like it's being okay with like let me with letting things go and being like this is fine i think this is good enough and being and you know being honest with yourself about that and having that as your goal and you know i know that that's that's not the approach that everyone uh, feels comfortable with or will take and i think especially the apple apple developer community um at, at least early on and probably imagine it's, it's certainly to some degree has that bit of the the mentality that they kind of Im- took from Apple and the way that they build things, which is not this at all. Like this is in no way, I think, the approach that Apple builds um, most of their products. That they take the other extreme of like the high, the 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 highly the highly engineered, highly polished approach to something that's a premium product, and like that works. And that model, like the premium product market works clearly, you know, it works for Apple, it works for Tiffany's, you can think of any number of car car manufacturers that take that approach. And like that works. Um, But I think it struggles when you're a small company, when you're one person um, to be viable, to be, you know, it's like when you're, if your goal is to kind of win the lottery or to have that premium approach, so many things have to go uh, right for you that are outside of your control but if your t- if your goal is more modest and your goal is to say you know it's like it's l- it's much less much less scary to say my goal is for an app you know to make an app that makes fifty dollars a day um like that is much less scary than trying to make an app that i could you know that, that makes tens of thousands of dollars a day and could potentially be purchased for millions of dollars like those are big scary things making it much smaller, much more modest, I think is a much more approachable and reasonable thing for, you know, small developers to take. And, you know, I can speak from experience that over time, it works. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tune in next week when we talk about selling your apps instead of keeping them forever. Uh, Thanks, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.